And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with our friend Barbara DeLong. Barbara, I think your late husband, Patrick Cook, would be very proud of you for carrying on the torch. Well, actually, he's the one that did, you know, that did encourage me to keep going. And when I started my own radio station, um, Nightlight Radio, he was he was very supportive of that. And I think at this point, um, I I interview authors, and uh, every week I read a book a week, and I interview the author, and um, it it. I know that he would be fascinated with a lot of the people that I've I've had on the show. It's it's been a very exciting experience for me, and he did kind of keep pushing me a little bit more and a little bit more. So um, after that, I guess I got on a slide, and mm-hmm. yes, he died. So I just kept going. Good for you. Of all the UFO cases you've heard about, is there one that just fascinates you more than any of the others? I think the Dropa. 10,000 BCE. I I am very, very fascinated with that because the tribe still exists. Um, My my Red Baron story, of course, I love. um, I love the 800 disappearing British Army members. My (laughs) God. Well, that's that's cool, too. And the other is Operation High Jump um, with Admiral Berg going to the South Pole to... In the the inner planet, right? Yeah. Well, he was. Well, well, no, he did. He did say he he had he had been to inner Earth, and of course, um, that that they told him to keep quiet on, and he did basically. But his his uh, biography is still out there. But in in 1946, um, the U.S. Navy sent a fleet of 13 ships. 33 aircraft and 4,700 men to occupy Antarctica. And this was under the leadership of Admiral Berg. And it was called a scientific research one, but, but they, um, you know, which, which was ridiculous because it was the aftermath and, of World War II. And, and what happened is they got down there and they were attacked by uh, flying saucers. And they they lost the battle, actually, and they came back really ahead of time, and nothing else was ever said about it. Like attacked, attacked, like viciously. Well, yeah, I mean the the Germans had underground um, an underground force there. They had a camp there. I, camp isn't the right word. They they had they they had an underground community there, and. According to some, now, you know, I have a lot of different sources I pull from, so I'm not, you know, it isn't totally from one particular place. But the the philosophy behind it is that that originally there was an alien base there, and that they had they had uh, deserted most of it, but they were still there, and they allowed the Germans to come in and utilize it uh, during the war to to for their submarines and. They set up a, camp, uh, a fort, a fort there, uh, and they were building uh, UFOs. The aliens were teaching them to build the UFOs there. And so, when Admiral, this is Operation High Jump, when they got down there, um, they were attacked and they they lost. And they came back really fast. They came back a lot faster than they had planned. They were going to set up. They were going to take it over and 
and what's fascinating is that when when he went when he went in his plane into inner earth he was surprised that that of the he saw swastikas and they spoke german that's right with german accents and that basically they were worried about our utilization of nuclear power and you know he was sent back with a message to you know cut it out basically and um that never happened no <laughs> So, so you know, it, it's that that to me has always been fascinating. That the fact that so many politicians have suddenly gone to the Arctic, Antarctic, for what reason? Not to see the whales or the dolphins, right? Not dolphins, but the whales. Um, so there's there's definitely still something going on there. There's a, an above ground lake that doesn't freeze, and there's a no fly zone over which. No one is allowed to fly. Why? Um, you know, they're, they're, it's harder for the government to hide stuff today than it ever has been. And I believe there's something going on there. I believe that, that, that community, I'm not so sure about Middle Earth, but I am positive as one can be, um, that there is still a, a large number of aliens and possibly Germans still down there. Well, a lot of people know. believe that. Let's take some calls for you. Let's go west of the Rockies. Pat, you're truck driving in California. Hi, Pat. Hey, George. Good to have you with us. Go ahead. Hey, thank, thank you for taking my call. Uh, Barbara, it's a fascinating topic. I, I just had uh, uh, one qu- Well, I actually had two questions, but George asked my second one about uh, one case that was just, oh, you know, that oh, that was just fascinating that you just that really stuck to your mind. Uh, but my first question was uh, uh, concerning Bigfoot. Do you believe there's any correlation with Bigfoot and aliens? Because uh, you mentioned that the 800 went through a time portal. Uh, I believe that Bigfoot travels through time portals. Um, I, I just wanted to hear your take on that. I, if if uh, you have any any opinions on Bigfoot and alien relations. Oh, absolutely. I think Bigfoot definitely is definitely interdimensional. That's why we've not found any bones or scat or you know anything that that would say you know this is where they live. Um, they're they're basically you know, put in areas where, where, and they go, they come through a, I call it a portal, a stargate, whatever you want to call it. But, but I do believe they come and they go. And I, I think that, that, I don't think that we're like, you know, Disneyland for them or anything like that. But I do feel that they like the isolation. They like the quiet. They like, I, I think from wherever they come from, that earth, this, this dimension gives them some sort of place of relaxation and peace. They, they, have, they don't use weapons. They don't hurt humans. I mean, they will, they will throw rocks, but that's about all. I think they are, in many ways, more evolved than we are. They just don't look as pretty. It's a bizarre situation, though, Barbara, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But when you, when you look at, at Bigfoot and Yeti and Sasquatch, I think they're all, it's all in the same thing. I think they've come through portals. Now, it may have, they may have come through 
a fold in time where two time timelines kind of cross and they're able to slip in and out. Um, but I, I do think that I, I don't think that there's any um, malice or forethought with them. I think that they just want to be left alone. And I think we should do that. We should honor them. And it's, it's like everything else. When we find something that we don't understand, people want to go out and kill them. You know, bring me a body and prove it type stuff. And, and the reality is that we are such a war-oriented culture at this point in time that we don't know how to peacefully try to, to um, communicate with these. I know Mary Joyce has done a of her, she, her website is um, Skyships Over Cashiers. She has lots of um, places where, where they, make, they are communicating with Bigfoots in a very gentle way. And especially the United States is not a country where, where we will take something we don't understand and peacefully try to make friends with it. Um, we want to attack it. We want to confine it. We want to study it. And, and I, I, I think our way of approaching something we don't understand is so barbaric that it's kept us from having the communication that, that quite possibly we could have had. Good point. International Line, Don's with us in Alberta, Canada. Hey, Donald, go ahead. Hi, George. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Um, I, could, I got half an hour. No, just joking. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, up where I'm at in, in um, Canada, in St. Paul, Alberta, not St. Paul, Minnesota, they actually built a landing pad in 1967. Like, I grew up <clears throat> not far from the area, and, and never did I know that uh, the reason why is there was a UFO that was about uh, 30, or, or sorry, three, <laughs> 300 feet in diameter, translucent, and, and it flew around the town the entire night. And so when Canada got its um, money for the or anniversary, or 67, or 100 year, 100 year anniversary. They, the town took and built the UFO landing pad, and then they built another building there. And then they had all the newspaper articles up at one time, but then they all got taken down. But it's amazing how fast uh, technology gets lost. And um, the other thing is uh, for for Germany, uh, anti gravity. They had they had probably about six different programs on the go because I talked to like part of my background is German. Um, and I knew a lot of people from there, and they actually, when they were kids, they actually witnessed, but the one guy told me that uh, he had the autographed book of the two test pilots from his village, um, town, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it could go from zero to 60,000 feet so fast they kept bending the airframe, but the, the people inside the cab wouldn't experience any G-force, so I got all excited, and I sent him a bunch of data and pictures of stuff that I had known about, but it, what I realized was is that... Uh, the Germans had probably about six or seven programs on the go at once, and they compartmentalized everything, and then they would take the technology and they would move it into a central location where they would finally finish off their craft. Anyway, um, and the other question, I guess I had a question for, in Mongolia, there was a, a base of aliens that was, well, they had been there, according to their records, for like 2,000 years or more, and the um, the Russians went and nuked the place and uh, to steal the technology, I was just wondering if you knew anything about that. I was fascinated. I've only heard it about once on, uh, I didn't know it existed until one night I was listening to uh, George's show. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember who the gentleman was that brought it up, but I thought it was quite fascinating. They had been living there in peace, and then we go there to, to steal the technology and nuke them. 
Absolutely. I've not heard of it, but I'm not surprised. Interesting takes on all this. You know, it's just what mankind does, Barbara. You know what? Well, look what we did. I mean, even Tesla was working with anti-gravity. And um, he was so far behind. He was, I almost think that he was, he was not only before his time. I think he may have been from another time trying to come back and help. And, and we killed him. I mean, he, that's what he, we do. he was a time traveler, you think? Yeah, I believe that, yeah. Let's go to Joe in the Bronx. Go ahead, Joseph. How are you? Good, Joe. Good, good. Uh, Barbara, you mentioned earlier in the segment um, that you believe that God does not resemble us, but the Bible says that uh, we are created in God's image, so wouldn't it follow that God looks like us? Um, if God was a person, yes, but don't forget, angels can take on many forms, and, and I think God can take on many forms. And at some point, <clears throat> those amazing men that, that were inspired to write the Bible had to in some way explain God in a way that everybody would understand, and so they, they wrote it that way. Uh, I, I don't I don't believe that that we are we are in many ways they said that we are created in God's image I do believe like I said earlier that that there was a deeper meaning to what was written I I consider the spirit that essence that is a part of the a part of creation that's in all of us is similar we are a part of God we were created to have that part in us, but but that doesn't necessarily mean the physical part. Let's go to Mark in Baltimore, Maryland, on the wild card line. Hey, Mark, go ahead. Thank you, George. Thank you very much. Uh, a while back, uh, the late senator, I think his first name was Stephen Schiff, and then uh, the late senator, uh, uh, William Richardson uh, from uh, New Mexico, they, they were champions of uh, getting the truth out there from a governmental standpoint. So, oh, by the way, thank you for continuing your late husband's work. So my question would be, uh, Barbara, do you think that our government will ever tell us or reveal to us the entire truth about UFOs? No. Quite bluntly, that's it, huh, Barbara? <laughs> no, I, I just, I, it, as far as, as I can tell, and, and this is my philosophy from what I've studied with and I'll be 80 my next birthday so Good for you. it's a long time and and what I'm seeing here is that our government is merely a puppet of another organization that is a puppet of another organization and so I don't believe that that we will that you and I will ever get the whole truth I do believe that there are tunnels underneath the, the underneath the entire world, there are tunnels several miles down that are being prepared for the next pole shift so that when it happens, only those who are underground are going to survive the shift. You really think that's going to happen, Barb? Oh, I, the pole has shifted before. That's a fact. Let's go to Rick in Dallas, Texas. Go ahead, Rick. Yes, sir. Uh, George, just want to tell you, I really admire you and I love your show. And well, Thank Barbara. you. Uh, you're very fascinating. I'm going to get your book and read it. 
But uh, y'all mentioned early on about the uh, the 1897 Aurora, Texas case, and I thought you might like to hear a clarification about something on that. I sure. know a lot of the folks involved and everything, and the problem is not knowing where the the guy's buried. Uh, we know exactly where he's buried. The, the, the hurdle is getting permission to exhume him. Uh, he's in an old, uh, what's still a country graveyard up there, and uh, there's two stones. There used to be a stone on it, and they had, uh, at the time, carved uh, the image of a little spaceship on there. Well, about the time of the 1973 incident that you, you were talking about, uh, that stone got stolen. And uh, uh, a lawyer here in Dallas, he's got a, a re reward out, you know, returning no questions asked, you know, still no results on that. But anyway, the point is, uh, he was buried right there between two adjacent graves, and those stones are still there. And we've even got videotape back in that 70s era we were talking about where you could still see it when the, when the stone was there. So we do know exactly where that uh, coffin is buried. That's, that's not the problem. Uh, and I, we were even going to pursue it. I've got a, a, a friend I went to school with. He was a cheerleader. He's a preacher up there now. But uh, something I heard George on your show made me kind of gibberish and leery about pursuing it. Uh, do you remember that book you had a fellow on talking about that fascinating case in Brazil where the craft crashed and one critter was injured and the other yep. was running through the yep. town? And, that boy jumped out of the Jeep and tackled him and got a little little scratch on his arm. That's right. And two days later, he was dead. There was some kind of out-of-this-world bacteria, and there wasn't nothing to treat and everything. And we got to thinking, if we got did get access and got that thing opened up in there, you'd probably have to have on a, you know, uh, one of those biohazard suits because there's no telling what kind of foreign bacteria or whatever might still be in there, you know. You don't know how long that stuff would survive. Even. Well, you know, that's exactly what Charles Schutz III was talking about a few days ago when he said, be careful what you bring back from Mars. We're going to wrap things up with Barbara DeLong when we come right back on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to our final segment with Barbara DeLong. Her book is called Before Roswell. It's available on Amazon.com. Her website is her name. Linked up at coasttocoastam.com. And, Barbara, how do people hear your radio show? Um, actually, they can get it right from my website. There's a link there. I do it on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, then it goes up on tons of other servers and YouTube and Rumble Talk Stream Live as well. How often are you doing the show? I do it once a week, um, and they, often they, I have other people that do shows on Nightlight Radio as well, uh, so that, uh, you know, there are other modalities that can be addressed as well. But uh, the calendar on my website has them all listed. All you have to do is check that out, and you'll see who's doing a show when. Absolutely. What do you think of the congressional hearings on UFOs? <laughs> I think they're a joke. <laughs> um, I, I you think I, it's all show, no go? Exactly. I, I, well, not only that, but what are they going to prove? They're going to prove that somebody believed a lie and lived it, and therefore, even though it's a lie, they, they believe it. I mean, so many times you can see something and believe it, and, and it's just it's, it's a fraud. And I think that's what's going on here, that, that 
unfortunately, there's so much going on that is not the truth, and it's taking up money, and it's taking up time, and our government is is falling apart because of it. Let's go to the phones. Final callers for you. We'll pick it up by going to Dan in Cleveland, east of the Rockies, to get us started. Hey, Daniel. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering where you <laughs> get to me. Um, yeah, if somebody told me they didn't believe in aliens, I would say, do you believe in God? And if they said yes, then I would say, well, why did God create all these stars, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of stars millions. and planets on them and uh, not put some um, some intelligent beings on them? I mean, what did he do? Did, he, did God create all these plants and everything just to entertain us? It's absurd. There's got to be a life somewhere out there. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have to adjust our terms because right at the moment we're being invaded by aliens. And um, so extraterrestrials, yeah, I, I, I do. People, people have... I, I don't know if it's their if there's a it's their education or their structure or their minds are not ready to expect some, to accept something that that is otherworldly because certainly we are not the only the only race out there and I think the reason that we haven't really been contacted more is because we are such a warring planet that the peaceful extraterrestrials probably don't have it, want to have anything to do with us. What about the non-peaceful ones? Do you think they're out there, Barbara? I do. I, I think that they were created by the same energy, the same God that created us, um, not because he was bored and wanted to really throw, throw you know, a glitch in everything, but I think we all have positive and negative, and I think there are some that have chosen the negative, and and just as there are very evil humans, there it would stand to reason there would be um, evil extraterrestrials as well. We have texts and tweets for Barbara. Tom, I still can't get to the, to, to the point of saying texts and exes. <laughs> I know we need to change that. Barbara, this one from Jordan in Portland, Oregon. He would like to know why you think the mainstream will sometimes dismiss experiencers as loose cannons, as he calls them. Because they are. There are so many of us out here that have seen <clears throat> that have seen UFOs that know exactly what we've seen and, and will we'll take the abuse we get from the people. When I saw one, I had almost 30 years of, of being laughed at and poked fun at and how many beers did you have that night. And yet when you see one, there is an instant click of some sort in, inside of you and and it's just it's a belief like you believe in God. I believe I saw what I saw, and and it was big enough so it could have had people in it. But I don't know if it did or not. I think that that what we got here is is the fact that there are people that don't want to believe it. They're afraid that that it might be something that they couldn't handle. And when I saw the UFO, the person standing right next to me did not see it. Next up, we've got Thomas in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, on the wild card line. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hey, George. How are you doing? Good, my friend. Thank you. 
Yeah, um, I was wondering to get your guest's opinion about, I'd seen it on a program, I think it was Ancient Aliens. Some archaeologists had dug up a six-fingered, six-toed mummified sloth that they coined the name Maria in far South America. I was just wondering um, if you might think that was an alien. It's not the one that Jaime Masson unveiled, but go ahead, Barbara. Yeah, I, I think that there have been um, aliens that have been that that have died here, and that have been been mummified. In in some cases, I know some in Egypt have been discovered. I I, I think they're there. I mean, when the Roswell crash happened, they had the bodies of of, of several of them. And at least one, if not two of them, were still alive. But where are they now, Barbara? <laughs> I think they're inside a mountain someplace. I, I don't know if they're still alive, but I do know that for sure that they were emitting some sort of homing signal to their home planet, world, whatever, um, so, that, so that I know that... that signals have gone out there. I think that's what SETI is looking for. It's looking for a response. Driving through Arizona, Kelly's with us now. Go ahead, Kel. Good to have you with us. Hey, George. Hey, Barbara. I got a really, uh, I got this kind of goofy um, theory about Roswell, and I'm going to sound like a complete millennial. I saw a video on TikTok not too long ago that confirmed that I'm not the only one that saw this. 1947, we had uh, Kenneth Arnold those those aircraft flying around Everett, Washington, Operation Paperclip, kind of close to Boeing. Uh, the first time I saw a Horton HO229 jet that was captured, I couldn't help but think that aircraft that Kenneth Arnold saw was possibly a Horton jet. And if you draw, if you look at the uh, um, Jack Northup was 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 known to be using that strip that the, the shuttle lands on in White Sands. If you draw a straight line, deviate a couple degrees, if you're in some craft in 600 miles an hour. And say you have some problems 15 minutes in the flight, boom, you're right there at the uh, Roswell crash site. And, Barbara, you were just talking about some of the, the Nazi German tech that was hiding out in caves. After the war, the Allies found these massive presses that were able to fabricate these really neat, intricate, and very uh, uh, complex uh, pieces of aluminum that, you know, when we were building airplanes at that time, it was multiple pieces of aluminum riveted together. So, so for someone that has only seen, like, Spearmans and DC-3s, the occasional B-29, I, I think it's kind of a logical conclusion that it, it's quite possibly they might have seen an eight, a Horton HO-229. I'm not going to discount anything that, uh, that, that Major Corso said, but I was just kind of curious about your guys' opinions or thoughts about that. I know you all have been doing UFO thing for, you know, 12 or 15 minutes respectively. I just kind of thought about that not long ago and was wondering what your guys' opinion was on that. Your thoughts, Barbara? It could have been another plane, huh? Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think it was. But since then, we have been playing with trying to replicate these, and so have many other countries. So I wouldn't doubt some of our newest technology does look very much like the uh, the the plane that went up the coast for Phoenix Lights. But uh, they, they make noise, and I I don't think that that you know that, that it's it there's they're similar, but I don't think they're they're the same. I think that, that what's going on here um, is our trying to replicate instead of just going ahead with our own stuff. But our government, unfortunately, is has kept so much 
under 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 the the cover, so to speak. Under wraps, yep. Yeah, I my father was in the FBI in '45. He saw a demonstration of a car that would run on water if you dropped a little white pill in it. It's never come out, but my father saw it and he drove it. What did so, dad What did dad think of J. Edgar Hoover? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I didn't think so. Let's go to Carlos, the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Hey, Carlos, go ahead. Yeah, good evening, George, and aloha, Barbara. Hello. Barbara, you know, a lot of the problems with disclosure is the secrecy, the classification by the government of uh, top-secret technology, uh, quantum technology it is. Uh-huh. And what you were referring to, the pill, that separates the hydrogen and the oxygen. And so the vehicle was actually running on hydrogen. But um, that's incidental. It's the classification, the secrecy. And a lot of it has to do with the anti-nuclear movement back in the 1970s and into the 1980s, where these people were so adamantly opposed to nuclear technology that they would protest any any type or form of use of it. And our anti-gravitational devices are are nuclear-powered. What I wanted to mention, though, was that I want to ask you if you're familiar at all with the top-secret 1973 Jupiter Project Skylab mission, on which I was, proudly I will say, I am the real Carlos. I was the first officer on that mission. Now, our experimental craft, which are made out of titanium, which is a transportable material, are capable of transcending time. So some of the so-called UFOs that we see, and they're unidentified to the people who are perceiving them, but in fact... They are United States experimental craft that are able to transcend time. So they're either coming from the past or from the future. And, they, and, and what they can do is they can warp right off the radar screen by transcending time, and they're gone. They vanish. What do you think but, of that, Barb? Well, I, I think he's absolutely true. The, uh, the drone that landed in Rendlesham Forest was from 8100. Uh, you know, in other words, thousands of years in our future, watching us. So that, yeah, I would say that that easily there's time travel going on. And, uh, you know, you've seen the examples of it, but but people don't tend to want to cope with it. And and I I think that what, what is so sad is there is so much going on Tesla and and so many of the other scientists were were playing with it um, decades and decades ago, and I can't. I know that they've got cures for cancer. I know that they've got cures for a lot of the stuff that's going on, and yet they're so tuned in on depopulating the Earth so that we have fewer people on it that that they aren't paying attention to the fact that that the technology and the things that they have already developed that are available to everyone and would help everyone um, would not would not fit in with their agenda and what they want to do with the planet. Let's go to first-time caller Quinn in Los Angeles real quick. Go ahead, Quinn. Hi, uh, Barbara. Uh, so you mentioned earlier um, that, you know, human DNA has been traced back further than the Earth has been around and, you know, saying that we're from a different planet and from a different dimension at that. Um, so uh, 
the, you know, that our next destination in, you know, in our journey could very well be to another planet in another dimension. So my question is, what might another planet in another dimension possibly look like? I would guess, Barbara, it'll look like Earth. What do you think? Well, that's what I've been told. Um, it, 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 it will be a transition and ascension in awareness and consciousness and, and to another planet, definitely. But, but one in which, which our, our ability to live together in harmony is, is far, it far exceeds what we have today. So, Barbara, are you going to write another book? Oh, several. Good for you. What are their subject matters, if I can guess? Well, there's one called What If. There's one called um, Spiritual Breadcrumbs. Um, there's one that is an interview with a spirit guide. And I want to just take a quick moment to tell you that your husband, uh, Patrick, was a great guest of ours, and uh, we miss him dearly, by the way. Me too. He was a good guy. Tell folks about your website and where they can listen to your radio show. Website is com. Radio show is, is Nightlight Radio. It's on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And there is also another website for uh, the Cosmic Deck of Initiation and the handbook. It's cosmicdeckofinitiation.com. Super. Barbara, thanks for being on the program. Keep in touch with us, okay? I sure will. Have yourself a great weekend, and thanks for being with us on the first day of autumn, 2023. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Lottasaur, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett, I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.